0: And I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be a kid. You know, you're just trying to figure out how to deal with it. How how do you get through the next day because you're having such a hard day and you're having these twitches and, and it's uncontrollable and it literally feels like hell. And so I wanted to speak to those folks.
1: Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode number 59. And today, my guest is Jason Michaels, who's a professional entertainer, speaker, and author with astounding experience in the arts of deception. A storyteller by heart, Jason loves to blend impossible mysteries with unforgettable tales. As an entertainer, Jason's show The Card Shark, a true story of scams, cons, and hustles, is a one-man autobiographical sleight-of-hand show that dives deep into the world of confidence men, fortune tellers, and charismatic magicians. As a speaker diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome at the age of six, Jason has overcome the impossible and become an internationally award-winning sleight-of-hand artist and professional speaker. He motivates audiences to see beyond their challenges and self-imposed limitations and inspires them to take action by living bigger, bolder lives with his keynote program, You Can Do the Impossible Too. As an author, Jason has authored the book, You Can Do the Impossible Too. His book details his journey of overcoming the debilitating neurological disorder of Tourette's Syndrome to become a success in business and in life. Hey, Jason, welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on my podcast today.
0: Uh, I'm excited. To, I'm excited we get to chat. This is going to be a good time.
1: This is, and actually, this is the first time that we've, we've ever met a mutual friend of ours, David Krohn, who was on episode 35 of, uh, of my podcast, actually connected us and said, "Peach, you need to interview this guy. He's got a wonderful message, and, and you're going to enjoy it. So he set the bar really high.
0: <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure what to say about that.
1: <laughs> oh, you'll 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 deliver. You'll deliver. Give the audience a little background, a little taste of, of of who Jason is. Okay, I am a
0: professional magician. I got interested in magic when I was 16 years old. That is approximately the exact same time I got fascinated with theater, and I studied theater uh, through high school and college. That was my major. I ended up becoming a magician and. Over the years, I've worked in a lot of different types of settings. I've worked as a a college entertainer and a corporate entertainer and a cruise ship entertainer and theaters and performing arts centers kind of all over the place because um, I'm constantly challenging myself. I'm constantly uh, trying to put my uh, my entertainment out there. But then I also started speaking on kind of overcoming adversity it's sort of an interesting story to 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 go back even further than my beginning in magic and my beginning in in acting and theater and all that is that you know i have a genetic disorder called tourette syndrome which is just a, it's a neurological brain chemical disorder that manifests itself with uh, by what doctors referred to as tics which is just basically uncontrollable movements or vocalizations you know I, and I dealt with this throughout my entire childhood through through teenage years into my early 20s and, and so when I started speaking I was just kind of talking I was talking to some of my first speaking engagements were to school groups and youth groups and I was talking about overcoming adversity I was talking about some bullying but I wasn't really talking about the Tourette syndrome a lot because I didn't want to be. I didn't want Tourette's syndrome to be the thing that, you know, defined me. I didn't want people to go, oh, this guy's a pretty good entertainer, especially since he's got this disability. I just wanted to be good at what I was doing. I didn't want to have that sort of label. But I have a really good friend. Who was who is also a speaker, and he said, "Man, you have to talk about this." And after telling him for years that I was not going to talk about this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he continued to invite me to see him speak. And and at some point, it just kind of—I guess it got through my thick skull because I saw him. I saw the way that he was able to affect people with his own story, and and he he dealt with a difficult childhood. And I was able to see how this connected with people, how people needed to hear this message that he was sharing. And it made sense to me, finally, why he was telling me that I needed to share it. So I share, share my story. So uh, in addition to being an entertainer and a magician, I'm also a speaker. Uh, and I speak on what I like to refer to as being able to do the impossible, because w- sort of one of the interesting things about my story in my past is that a kid with Tourette syndrome you know, when you have an uncontrollable, like, movement disorder, like, you twitch a lot, or, you know, the people who have the vocalizations, they'll make clicking noises with their tongue or their their throat, and and it's just kind of an odd thing. It's it's because it's unexpected, people will get freaked out a little bit by it. The idea that I would somehow become an entertainer, become a performer in live theater, that, you know, you're standing on a stage in front of a big group of people, that, that kind of doesn't make sense, and there have been people— that have said you know that's that's kind of impossible that that makes no sense that you would be able to do that when i developed my talk which ultimately developed into a book i i started talking about being able to do the impossible because i think we all have things and i mean everybody i think everybody has things in their lives that feel impossible to overcome and i i like to talk about that i think it's important that we hear uh, and we we hear a message and we see examples of people who have overcome quote-unquote the impossible in their lives
1: exactly and as you talk about the Tourette's in our initial conversation prior to this there's some misconceptions about that would you like to address some of those misconceptions
0: you mean just like out in the public as far as what Tourette's is
1: yeah kind of you know when you think of when I guess people think of Tourette's we you know how it's been posed as uncontrollable cussing
0: yeah. <laughs> which which definitely makes things interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. That is sort of, I guess, I remember years ago when Tourette's kind of made it into the scene, the the national consciousness, what you had was you would have these television shows that might have an episode about somebody with Tourette's, and it would be this guy who just had these, you know, uncontrollable outbursts of inappropriate language and 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 makes everybody very uncomfortable and, and freaks people out. And news news uh, programs were done about this. And that's actually and while it is very real for some people, that's actually a pretty rare type of Tourette syndrome tick. Uh, the most common ticks uh, are movement ticks that, and a lot of people would just look at him and say, oh, "He's just twitching." And that, although sometimes it's not something, sometimes it's a lot bigger than a twitch. Sometimes it's an actual larger movement uh, with a body part, like an arm flailing around or something like that. And it's, I think it's hard, the thing that is hard for people to understand, oh so it's movements as well as vocalization. So sometimes it's just, it's not always, it doesn't have to be words. It can be just clicking noises or things that, that you do uh, with your mouth and, and your throat. I think the hardest thing for people to understand about Tourette's is that when I tell you it's uncontrollable movements or vocalizations, if I didn't have Tourette's, I would just say, well, no, no, just, no, just try a little harder, just control it. But it's, it's not like that. It's not like all of a sudden you think to yourself, oh, I'm about to have a move, uh, a tick or a, a twitch or a movement or a vocalization. That's not how it comes about. It's not like you can try harder when it's, it, the ticks are usually described by medical professionals as uncontrollable, rapid, repetitive. So the rapid is what's key there because it ha- it, it pretty much just happens. It's just boom, and there it is, and it happens. Uh, sometimes it happens over and over and over and over again until, for some strange reason, it stops happening. So it can be very difficult for it can be a real sticking point for people with Tourette's because. They're uncontrollable, and they just seemingly come out of nowhere. It is embarrassing. I mean, you know, because you're doing this thing that nobody else is doing. And even when people aren't looking at you or laughing or making fun of or saying something along the lines of, well, whatever it is that they say that makes you feel alienated, you still know that you're doing this thing and that, you know, if you're in the grocery store, that nobody else around you is doing this. And so you know and you can tell and you can feel this is an odd thing to do. So, it's just uh, it's it's something that for a very 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 long time, uh, as far as you know me personally, it was it just was it was just something that was difficult for me to to kind. It was extraordinarily difficult for me to talk about. I, I just could I just couldn't talk about it. And I mean I'm talking about up in, into my thirties. I just couldn't talk about
1: it. But the thing that's amazing about your story is the uncontrollable movements. Right. But at an early age, you wanted to be an entertainer. Yeah. You wanted yeah. to be, you wanted to be it, it was, as you say, it was hard for you to talk about, but you, you had no problem being up on stage in front of people, knowing that this is going on, but still getting past that point. I think that, and maybe in my naive mind, I think that's, a, that's probably a bigger barrier in you know- doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 it doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> and, and jumping over that because, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's 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 truly amazing that at 16 years old, you want to become an entertainer and, and, and you, you you illusions and sleight of hand and in front of an audience that, that is sitting there looking at you. I'm still
0: learning interesting things about myself. And I was talking to somebody about the book that I just released recently, and he said, it seems to me that the theme of your book is that you're constantly – challenging challenging yourself to do new things. I never really thought about that, but I've thought about it a lot since he has, since that person said that to me. And I realized that he's right. I don't like the status quo. I, It's very rare for me to do something and get good at it and just keep doing it. Now I do that, like with some of my shows, like I work very hard on the show. I have a show called The Card Shark, which is like, the, one of the main, the main things that I do right now. And, uh, and it's the best work I've ever done. It's, I put the most time into it. It took me years to be able to develop it. And, and so I do that over and over and over again for groups and for theaters and, and, and people that hire me to come in and do it. But at the same time, I don't like just sticking with one thing. I like to feel constantly uh, challenged. I like to, I actually think I like the feeling of being uncomfortable. And I I know that's probably a strange thing, but I just like the idea that somehow I can just learn a new skill or try something new. So I think that with the the performing, I think that I, you know, I love movies as we all do when we're kids and I just think I saw these people in the movies and I thought I want to do that. I can do that. So, you know, when the opportunity to take a class, take a speech and drama class or to go out for a play was there for me, I was like, I want to at least try it. So just to see, you know, I, I, I just didn't think about the ticks. I just said, I want to, I want to be that guy up on the movie screen.
1: (laughs) That takes a, that for most people, that fear is debilitating to get, to that point and, and, and you've, yeah, you've, you've jumped over that tenfold. Um, and, and I'm somewhat the same way. I, I always like to try new things. I like to get that, make myself uncomfortable, but you know, get outside my comfort zone. Cause that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. But still there, there's, there's that fear and, and being able to manage that fear and still be able to do it all the while knowing that failure is an option.
0: Oh yeah. No failure. <laughs> is a, Absolutely. Absolutely. An option. And I, and it's, and, and, and it's sometimes a very painful option. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, what's interesting is that I've recently, my most recent thing that I've been working on is I've, I, in, in my, in my shows, I'm not inherently funny. That doesn't mean I don't have humor and, 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 laughs in my shows or, and even in my speaking, because I, I do, I do, I do have humor and, and, and la- but I'm not the type of performer that people look at and say, Oh, he's just funny. That's not, that's not me. I'm not naturally funny. So one of my, I just basically said, you know what, I'm going to start going to some open mic nights to see if I can be funny. Uh, And you know, it's terrifying because the idea that you're going to tell somebody, Hey, I'm going to come up here and try to make you laugh. And that's the one and only goal. And then you step up there and people are like, all right, make me laugh. It's like, Oh my gosh. And so, you know, the, I think the thing about failure and I'm learning that I'm learning this through through this experience with 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 just attempting some some stand up comedy but I'm also learning it I've also learned it in in other places I think the thing about failure is that ultimately failure is not nearly as painful and it's not nearly as bad as your imagination makes it out to be yes sometimes it is difficult and yes sometimes it hurts but what is in my head, what is in our head about how bad it's going to be if I fail? It's never that bad, except in rare, rare, rare occasions.
1: Right, right. So uh, you're in Nashville, correct? I am in Nashville, Nashville. yeah. So you, you have to look up a friend of mine who— who I've interviewed on my podcast and I've been on his, his name is Rick Roberts. He uh, actually does workshops and stuff down at Zaney's in, uh, in in Nashville. Uh, He's also a member of the National Speakers Association. He's got a, he's got a uh, podcast called school of laughs, great resource for writing comedy. And another guest of mine, who has got a book out there who's been read by, I want to say millions. Her name is Judy Carter. And the book is called, I have one of her books. I have one of her books. Do you have the comedy Bible? I'm
0: actually looking at it right now. Bingo! Yeah, I do. I do. I've
1: had yeah. that. I've had that book forever. Uh, that that's one of my go-to books when I want to refresh my 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 mind on the actual art of writing stand up versus the art of standing up in front of people and trying to make them laugh. But but those are two great resources. On um, yeah, you need to look up Rick. He's a he's a great guy. Got a great school. Does workshops and stuff. And uh, he's a clean comedian. And he's a uh, He's a good guy.
0: That's great. Yeah, he, I, you know what? It's funny. His name keeps popping up. Different people have told me you should talk to Rick Roberts, and I'm, I'm going to have to reach out to him because when when I hear the same thing from multiple people, I know that uh, somebody's trying to tell me something.
1: <laughs> and, and I applaud you for for doing something that is, is it's like, to me, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute doing stand-up comedy and going to these open mics and, and, and trying to make People laugh in a lot of cases it's trying to make drunks laugh and they cannot be nice at times it can be it can be brutal but I it, it, it does I, I still try to I don't get to do it as much as I would like to but I still try to go out there every now and then and find an open mic and, and work on a set that i have been working on for 15 years and it, it does feel good and it does feel awkward but there's a lot to learn from do, from doing stand up
0: Oh, gosh, I tell you, I'm used to – because I've been doing magic for so long, I'm used to succeeding at magic because <laughs> I can – I know that I can get up on stage and do well with magic because I've just done it for so long. I've got that – skill set in in my belt underneath my belt but with with stand-up comedy it's just so it's so unique and different and it's just this uh it, it can be it can be t- hey, because i tell you i'm not a nervous type of performer i don't get nervous but when i do stand-up i i literally i'll be sitting there th- right before i walk up going why are you doing this to yourself? Why would you do this? You don't need to do this. Why? This is
1: not necessary. You've got a good job as a magician. <laughs> oh my God. You're in my head too. Cause I do the same thing. Why am I doing this? I'm 56 years old. What do I think I'm doing this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, what's fun is that I'm always nervous before I walk up on stage, trying to do comedy. But after I walk off, even if I didn't do great, I always feel better. I mean, I've had some times when I was like, "God, that was really." I didn't. I didn't get any laughs at the stuff that I thought should have gotten laughs, and it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, you're not standing in front of a firing squad, you know. So it may feel like it, but <laughs> it's not gonna. It's not gonna kill you. So it's a you know, a little bit of failure is is frustrating, but it's not. It's not death. <laughs>
1: that, that, that that that's true, and and um. But so let, let's let's you, you've got a lot of things going. You, we, we've talked about that. We talked about the speaker, but I I'm, I'm really curious about this book because you, you just had it published. Uh, middle of last month It's out there live. Tell me about
0: the book. So what, here's how this happened. I um, my buddy convinced me to start talking about Tourette syndrome, and I said, okay, I'll start talking about it. And one of the next things I did was I uh, connected with um, one of the TEDx conferences and said, basically, I sent them a proposal of what I wanted to talk about, and it was me talking about dealing with Tourette syndrome. And after going back and forth a little bit, they said, we'd love to have you come speak. So my first actual real speaking gig about Tret Syndrome was at a TEDx conference. Wow. Which is just stupid. Why would you do that to yourself? You know? It's like, really? You know, it's like, oh, this is going to be broadcast on the internet. This is going to live forever. You are an idiot.
1: You know? It's like, uh, couldn't you... Couldn't you start with the Rotary Club or something? Come
0: on! Yeah, I'm, I'm not that guy. I like to literally climb up to the the what is it the ten meter platform or whatever yeah. as high up as you can go and dive straight into the deep end. That's the that's the person that I am. Yeah, you know, that's I mean that's kind of like when I decided to do the under Harry Houdini's underwater torture cell. You know, I just said okay, I'm just going to do it, and so I did it. But it, we can talk about that in a second <laughs> if that interests you. But but to to answer your question. So I decided to do this TED Talk, and uh, I prepared just – I used all my skills that I've been honing for two decades, and the TED Talk went fantastic. It it went really, really well. I was very, very pleased with it, and then what ended up happening is I started to speak a little bit more after that opportunity, and I was talking to a friend – who's one of my trusted advisors. We talk business and creativity all the time. And he said, you know, in order to really talk about what you talk about, he said, why don't you write like a a really in-depth bio and try to remember as much about being a kid with Tourette's syndrome as possible. And that idea really stuck with me. And little by little, I started just kind of writing down instances and stories. And then at some point, I looked down and I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of an, I may have the outline of a book here. And so this idea of just trying to make sure that I was doing the best presentations that I could germinated into kind of the outline and, and the beginnings of a book. And then once I saw what it looked like and I went, okay, now I just have to tell these stories. Now I have to explain what it's like. Now I can talk about this stuff. That's kind of how the book came about because I just wanted to make sure that when I was talking to people that I was giving them the best information, the most powerful stories, the techniques that I've learned over the years on how to deal with stuff and how to overcome uh, the the impossible things that I've overcome. and uh, And so that's how the book came about. It came about because I really wanted to you know, expand of the you know a talk. You know, it's an opportunity for people to learn about tret Syndrome. Part of part of me wanting to release it. There were there's three audiences that I really think this book speaks to. There's the folks who like magic and like entertainment and just want to hear about some incredible stories that I've had, adventures that I've had traveling around the world and crazy stunts that I've done and stuff like that. And so it speaks to those folks and it's it's a fun read, it really is. But then there's the folks the the family members and the people around the world that have Tourette syndrome. And I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be a kid. You know, you're just trying to figure out how to deal with it. How how do you get through the next day because you're having such a hard day and you're having these twitches and it's uncontrollable and it literally feels like hell. And so I wanted to speak to those folks. I wanted to speak to the parents and the siblings Who have somebody that they're not really sure how to support the best way that they can, and so I said, okay, if I share my story, maybe they will learn from my point of view some new ways to help this their loved one, their child, their sibling, whatever. So, so there's the magic audience. There's the Tourette syndrome audience, and then there's the audience of folks who want to push themselves, folks who want to get outside of their comfort zone, steps who need some inspiration, uh, need a message of inspiration to let them know that they're not alone, let them know that the difficulties that they deal with in their life, that everybody deals with certain difficulties that need a, a, a push, maybe a little bit of motivation to get outside of their comfort zone and make some incredible things happen. So that's really, those are the folks that I hope this book
1: Gets in 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 their in their hands. So uh, as I'm as I'm hearing this, uh, uh, so I have to ask a couple questions. One, you mentioned that in this book, you talk about your magic. Oh yeah, a lot. And, and you said you said these two words, crazy stunts, which got my which got my attention. So I I want to hear a story about some of these crazy stunts.
0: So, I write on several chapters on my experience per, uh, attempting to escape from Harry Houdini's underwater torture cell. The underwater torture cell is the most famous thing that Houdini created and escaped from in his shows. And basically, what it is is kind of like a phone booth, except the door is not. Uh, on the the door is on the very top of the phone booth, and you 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 have to be lowered into the cell from above. It you have to be lowered in, and you're lowered in upside down because your ankles are locked into the top stocks so your head down being lowered into this basically telephone booth filled with water and then the stocks are locked onto the top and you have to escape before you run out of uh, before you run out of oxygen so I did I attempted that. Uh, and what ended up half, happen- I mean, I talk a lot about it. I talk about how I trained for it. I talk about some of the, the unexpected things that happened as I was figuring out how to, how to do it. Uh, I, uh, basically, uh, I sold this idea to a local mall, which was brand new at the time. And it was the biggest, nicest mall in Nashville. And uh, and I sold them this idea as a Halloween stunt because they had just opened, and I said this would be a great way to get people out. And they said we love this. I'd never done a Harry Houdini's underwater torture cell, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, let's do it because I'm a magician and I am, you know, I like to push my boundaries, and so. So we did it on Halloween, and what's crazy is that I had been doing a lot of press as far as trying to get the word out, sending out press releases, and get the word out, and all this stuff. And then the local new one one of the local news stations shows up to shoot the thing, and I was able to coordinate with them so that I got dunked literally about right. They cut to a live feed of me. Hanging above the water torture cell, and then maybe two seconds later, I get dunked into the water torture cell. So now the live news, the, you know, the live six o'clock news here in Nashville, they, you know, the audience has just seen me get dunked into a water torture cell. So now they can't cut away; they're stuck with this shot for like two and a half minutes, trying to figure out if I'm going to drown or if I'm going to escape from this water torture cell. It was great. I mean, it was it was epic, dude. It was fantastic. <laughs> Wow,
1: and, and clearly, since we're talking, you did not drown.
0: Well, I guess you, I guess you got it all figured out. I did not drown, so <laughs> so, so you you did escape. I did escape. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. I did escape. Yeah,
1: because I, I guess my one question in this is at some time during this process, if you if you see that it's not going to work and you're running out of oxygen, is there like a safe word or is there some way? Yeah, we had,
0: I had signals with
1: my team. I had an entire
0: team of people on the outside. I had signals with my team that they could have gotten me out. Like it would have been, it would have been a little bit humiliating, but yeah, I could have gotten out.
1: But but you escaped.
0: You have to read the book to find out, Uh Peter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do know that you didn't drown. I do know that. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Wow. So, yeah, I could see that's kind of crazy since you've really never done it before, even though you trained for it. You know what? Oh, actually, you know what?
0: You just reminded me. I write in the book about the entire experience, but at the end of that specific story, there's a link to my website where you can watch the video clip. So, if you're on, I don't know if you're currently online, but if you're in front of your computer and you're looking at my website where there's a link that says the book, if you scroll down that page, Below the information about the book, there's a clip of me doing that. The, the actual video clip from the news is on that page.
1: Water torture cell live. I see it. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch this after we're done. Holy <laughs> Toledo, man! That's 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 gutsy. That's man. I I got I got nothing compared to that. I, I absolutely. That's uh, so crazy. stunts. and then the second thing I, I think that even bigger than, than, than the crazy stunts is being a kid with Tourette's and and having to overcome so many obstacles. Is there some stories that you can, I, is, I know there's some stories that you can share on this, but what, 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 what comes to mind first that, that you could share with my audience? You know, I remember
0: instances where it was painful to deal with the Tourette's because people would say things. And, you know, really when you're a teenager or a young kid, you're not really trying to stand out from the crowd. Now, it, you know, if you can become well-known because you're like a quarterback of the football team or something like that, then that's 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 one thing. But most of the time what you're trying to do is you're just trying to go about your life and trying to hang out with your buddies. And you don't want people to point you out and, and, and alienate you or anything like that. And I remember instances when when people would say things. I mean, you know, it happens you know, two things. Uh, number one, my mom was amazing because she, when I was really little, when I was a, you know, in grade school, like she would go to my teacher before the school started and, and let them know what I was going to be dealing with. And they, she was willing to basically, if she had to, she would have gone to war for me, you know, because she wanted to make sure that I had everything as, as best in, in my favor. But, you know, I think the one of the most interesting things was that when I went out for the, the play, the the cuz I went out for what was called the junior senior play as the very first play. Uh, I was I was enrolled in speech and drama class uh, as a junior, first year I had done that. The junior senior play was in the fall. So I'd been maybe in class for 6 weeks or something like that. So the the teacher announces we're going to have auditions for this play. I think, okay, that's 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 why I'm in this class. I I want to try and give this a try. It sounds fun. And I go out for this play and I'm up there, and I'm—I've got a piece of paper with lines on it, and I'm reading lines with other people, and I'm having this audition. And you know, the first day of the audition, she says, after it's all over, the teacher says, "We're going to—I'm going to um, I'm gonna post callbacks on the bulletin board," which callbacks is just basically means that the people who she wants you to come back the following day and audition again. She's kind of narrowing the field down so that she can. Select who's going to get what role. And the next day I saw the bulletin board and my name was on the callback list. And so I had done well enough and I was, you know, I was in the running for a potential part. So I go back that night, audition some more. And what was interesting is just that when I was on this stage, it just felt so natural. It felt like it was the place I was supposed to be. And, uh, you know, at the end of the auditions, she says, I'll post the cast list tomorrow. I go to the bulletin board go to the, to, to the list, and my name is on the list. I had never auditioned for a play before. I had never done anything like that, and all of a sudden, I have the lead role of the junior-senior play.
1: The lead role?
0: Yeah, the lead role. Gosh. Wow. So you know i and 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 you know what's really interesting is that i didn't know what to expect I, w- I remember standing back the night of the opening night of the show and i'm like am i supposed to be nervous what am i supposed to feel like uh is this new experience and i just walked out on stage and the twitches and all that stuff that you know may have driven me crazy when i was in another setting that stuff literally was just gone it is like a magic trick happened it's like i was exactly where i was supposed to be and i was doing exactly what i was supposed to be doing and i was perfect on stage and got that huge round of applause at the end of the show and i'm hooked at this point point. and you know that's it That that's all she
1: wrote wow, <laughs> wow. so when you were auditioning and, and and rehearsing and practicing, as you said, that when you walked on the stage, all the, the all the the neurological ticks and stuff went away. Did it also go away during that point, or was it the first time you were in front of that audience and getting ready to do the performance for the first time, not as a rehearsal?
0: You know what's what's what happens with the the ticks is that when you have you know, and, and I and I've learned that it happens with uh, other people as well that have Tourette's syndrome as well. When you are extremely focused on something, when you're like really dialed in on something and you're, you know, there's, you know, 100% locked in hyper-focus, most of the ticks just kind of go away. What ends up happening though is, you know, you're not going to maintain that level of focus. When you let down, when you're focused, when you're tired, uh, physically or mentally, the ticks really, really kick back in, like doubly as hard. So, oh, wow. like, you're going to pay for it later, but the hyper focus—you have hyper focus
1: at the time that you need it. Wow! And I would just based on this conversation, I'm thinking your mind's gone. I don't care if it's going to be you know twice as bad. That this is just—it felt so natural to be This is—I I don't care about the backside of it.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's no. It's, that's very true. I've I'm I'm that type of a person. Where it's like, oh, I don't care what the repercussions are. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then this is, I'm going to just do it.
1: So do you, do you take that, that kind of message, so we, we've got overcoming adversity, and, and just just on these two examples alone, and you take that message out to, to the corporate audiences during your keynote presentations, and, and I I can, I can only imagine the amount of people that come up to you afterwards and all I'll but briefly share their story or how what you just shared with them made them see things in a different light.
0: It's one of the great pleasures that I didn't know was going to happen to get to talk to other people about the things that they're dealing with. And I tell you, it is highly emotional for me to to have somebody come up and be willing to share with me this this very personal, uh, sometime very personal pain that they're dealing with. And I like I get really I get really emotional about it because it's because I know how difficult it is to talk about that stuff because I didn't want to for a very long time. And so to hear people who because I shared my message and because I shared with them and and when I share my message, I share some of the principles and some of the techniques that I've learned over the years and some of the things that I've just kind of naturally developed over the years on how to on how to do the impossible in your life. And so when they're telling me, you know, I had a lady talk to me about how, you know, she was just dealing with unbelievable pain after the loss of a child. And she is telling me about how my talk is, um, it gave her new hope and helped her see, you know, new direction for what she needed to be out there doing. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm crying. I mean, it's so emotional. It's, it's but it's one of the great blessings of being able to, to share my message with other people
1: and have that type of impact on other on other people right i i can't i i can't imagine being i've had i've had people come up to me after a, a few of my presentations when i talk about my son and not listening to him and, and finding out that i was trying to he ultimately had ADhd and yeah, you know, I, I was just being a really bad parent because i wasn't listening to the signs and people have shared that with me and, and i got emotional but i can't imagine somebody saying the death of a child and, and how you're i i would been crying just as hard yeah yeah but but that but it's amazing that you know for all that time you did not want to talk about it but the effect that you're having on people because you are talking about it i mean that's that's awesome that's i mean how many people well, thank you yeah how many people you have helped and how many people you will be helping it's got to be overwhelming at times when you think about it especially after as long a time that you didn't didn't want to talk about it, but that message is so powerful and, and so inspiring that um, I, I want to thank your friend who who pushed you to start talking about that. Because, man, you, you you're making a big impact on people's lives.
0: Well, well, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot to me, and it's good for me to hear that sometimes. Because sometimes, yeah, and you know this when you're out there and you're just trying to you know get your message in front of as many people as possible sometimes you deal with you know frustrations and difficulties and certain opportunities open up and other opportunities that you wanted to happen don't happen so i really appreciate you saying that because um, sometimes when i'm dealing with frustration just trying to get the word out there it's it's good to remember that that you're that that the the message is important and it's getting in front of people that need to hear it and and I tell you it does it does drive me to put this message in front of as many people as I possibly can because because I've and it's not even what I think it's what I know now based on the my experience there are a lot of people
1: who need to hear this oh yeah yeah, and it's it's amazing. I mean, if you just take this this message of doing the impossible and and overcoming adversity, and you take that to a corporate market, I mean, just think about all the adversity we people go through in corporate America, and and, and just trying to survive a day. And, and you've got an overbearing boss, and you've got these dreams, and you got a fa- you got all this stuff going on. And, and I think I I believe people, you know, at some point in time, they, they give up. And they need a vo- they need a voice to inspire them again to not give up and to keep on trying to keep on trying to do the impossible. And and, and you're that voice.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I, I really do. And, um, you know, in lieu of actually being at every event, I hope that the folks that hear. Um, This podcast. I hope that they hear the folks that hear my story or see something online. I hope that they do have the opportunity to check out the book because they can they can get that message of hope on their own time. They can you know by reading the book at their own pace. They can laugh and and maybe cry a little bit, but certainly be inspired. Um, and, And you know what? I just realized we've just been talking about the book. The book is titled the same thing that my keynote is titled. You can do the impossible too. So, I just wanted to make sure we knew that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I will do is, we will put links uh, in the show notes to your website, which is www.jasonmichaelsmagic.com. Uh, and, you, and I'm looking at the website right now uh, at the book. You can buy the book uh, either ebook or in, in paper form on amazon.com. That's right. Absolutely. Obviously, if those of you who have been listening to this, uh, you should be so, so moved that as soon as you finish listening, you go out to Amazon, you buy his book. Great message. Um, I and go to his website. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a well, well done website, and you know, it, it's fascinating because you it opens up and it says about the card shark, and there's a great picture of him in a gray suit, and then some smoke comes out, and it's 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 a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really entertaining website that um, talks about you, and, and then there's a the picture of you doing the TEDx Chattanooga thing. I mean. It, it's very well done. It's it's a it's a great book, uh, wonderful message. And if and if you happen to be a meeting planner or a corporate executive listening to this podcast, get a hold of Jason. Book him for an event if you need an inspiring message. He's the man. Look him up. Uh,
0: you're the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, uh,
1: Jason. It, it's been a, a, a wonderful opportunity to one meet you. I I hope that our paths Cross here in the near future, uh, and and by the way, if if you ever get ready to do an open mic night, let me know because if it happens to be if I have some of some free time, it's a Southwest flight down there. I've got miles on Southwest. I'll come down and perform okay. with you.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. That's awesome. All right, I fully expect to be running into you sometime soon. I don't. This this type of stuff, the way people connect, this isn't random stuff. This is stuff that it's it's the way it's supposed to be. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll meet up soon. Uh,
1: I, I'm sure we will too. And and I can't thank you enough for one sharing your story uh, with my audience. It's it's very powerful. And I wish you all the best. And I can't wait to meet you face to face. But please don't put me in the Houdini. Uh, get out of the water trick
0: <laughs> You're all
1: good. You're safe. <laughs> right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much, Jason. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, sir. I'd like to thank Jason again for sharing his powerful and inspiring story with us. As he discussed his ability to overcome his fears and deal with the adversity because he could do the impossible is a parallel message to the power of improvisation and yes and. It boils down to having a strong, positive mental attitude and taking on adversity and your fears head on. As I like to say, and as yes and proves, moving forward in a positive direction. Listen, learn, and earn. I have partnered with the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute to bring an exciting new learning opportunity for accounting professionals to earn CPE credits. You can earn up to one CPE credit for each completed podcast episode purchased for only $29 through the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute self-study website. The podcast episodes are mobile-friendly. Open your browser on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Go to the MACPA BLI self study account and listen to an episode. Take the review and final exam while you're working out or after listening to an episode on your commute to and from work. It's that easy. While all selected Improv No Joke podcasts are available on my website, Only those purchased through the MACPA BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE credit. You can get detailed instructions by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic improv is no joke for CPE on my homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. Remember you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, use improvisation to create positive results and leadership in life for $14.99 and the shipping's free, please go to my website and you'll see the available now on my homepage. Just click and go to the shopping cart. In addition, you can now download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $10. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter, my Twitter handle is at P Connect with me on LinkedIn by searching my name and on Instagram by searching P In episode 58, I interviewed Patrick Donadio, who's taken his decades of experience and crafted a results based process for his new book, Communicating with Impact, focused on improving communications, increasing profits, and boosting performance in less time thank you again for listening and remember to use the principles of improvisation and you can do the impossible too so you can achieve your goals all the while not letting adversity stand in your way